Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Prophecy has been given to us so that we know and understand the times we're living in and what the future holds. Now more than ever, we need to rely on Jesus and lean into Him so we can be prepared by His power and presence for the times ahead. Part two of Cheryl's message titled Divine Opportunist. There will be men saying they're the, they're the Messiah. They'll be full of commotion and upheaval and natural disaster and cosmic disaster. And during these times, we need to be fully reliant on Jesus Christ. Verse 9, Jesus said, see that you are not terrified. So the first thing that we need to be prepared is there's going to be terrifying things and we need to be prepared for those so we're not terrified. I've told you this before. I absolutely hate suspense. And I love Netflix because I can go to the end of the program, find out what's going to happen. Everything turns out right, then go back to the middle again. You know, Brian and I were watching NCIS last night and he goes, oh, this is suspenseful. I go, go to the end, go to the end. He goes, I am not going to the end. You're going to watch this. I'm like, oh, I'm going to close my eyes. You know, but I want to know what's happening at the end. That's, as I said before, that's why I love the Bible. I go straight to Revelation, then I can go back and read. I want to know Jesus is coming and everything is going to be all right. But 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul says again, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. We don't need to be terrified because that spirit of being terrified is not from the Lord. But as we're fully reliant on the Lord and His Spirit... He gives us the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. He prepares us by his spirit when we're fully reliant on him. Jesus knows these times are coming. They are a certainty. So we are to know the certainty of these times and to be prepared for false messiahs. Between the time of Jesus' resurrection and the destruction of Jerusalem, Josephus tells us of over 20 different recorded false messiahs that rose up. Some were zealots, some were of the sacri, others were just, you know, unknown Egyptians, Alexandrian Jews that rose up and said they had the answers to the problems in Jerusalem. And they rose up and tried to lead the people of Israel claiming to be their messiah. If we do not look to Jesus for our power, for our love, for our sound mind, we will be terrified, terrified of loss, terrified of persecution, terrified of things to come. 
terrified of tomorrow. But as we rely and lean into Jesus, we will be prepared by prophecy. What he has told us will happen. We will be prepared by his power, prepared by his presence, and prepared by his person, who he is and how he walked through these things. So we need to fully rely on Jesus' wisdom. Verse 12, Jesus said to the disciples before the end of time, you're going to be persecuted and delivered up to synagogues and prisons and tried before kings and rulers. This is going to happen. Men are going to lay their hands on you. They're going to persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And we see this come to pass in the book of Acts. Peter and John in Acts 3 and 4, they were tried before priests and elders and rulers. Peter and James were put in prison in Acts chapter 12. Paul had numerous occasions in the book of Acts before Festus, Felix, and Herod. And one that is not recorded in Acts, but recorded in Timothy, that he appeared before Nero. He tells us in Philippians chapter 1 that because he was imprisoned, He got to appear before Nero and all of the palace guard heard the gospel. Paul was prepared, prepared, and he was reliant on God's wisdom. And therefore he was not panicked, paralyzed, but able to preach. Jesus told his disciples that when these arrests came, they were to use these arrests, these court trials as an opportunity, a divine opportunity to testify to the gospel. They were not to predetermine what they were going to say. Oh, this is so difficult for me as a woman like you. I'm not going down alone. I've told you that before. We're going to go down together and rise again together. But how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand on this one. How many of you make mental notes, mental emails, write mental articles or letters to the newspaper or lectures in your mind. Or you say to yourself, this is what I would say if I was in that circumstance. This is what I would say to this person. This is how I would share to that person. And what does the Lord say? Uh -uh, uh Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Because I want to give you a greater wisdom. I want to give you a wisdom that is irresistible. That even your enemies cannot ignore. Cannot acknowledge. Now, for me as a woman, this is so important. Because I have noticed that even the dog ignores what I say. You know, Brian calls the dog the dog. And yesterday I said, Barnabas, no. And you know what that dog did? He ran across the street to a little white poodle. And that the white poodle owners had to walk back to my house in order to get Barnabas to come back. And I'm sitting there going, Barnabas, come. Barnabas, now. Barnabas, chicken, bone, bread, beach, walk, all the magic words. And Barnabas is like, white poodle. Ah, He's always lived for a white poodle. You know, and he's like, hey, hey, white poodle. I mean, it was, he was not paying any attention to me. As women, we are so seldom heard. 
But Jesus wants to fill even us with this irresistible wisdom. Don't you want that when you're talking to your children? Irresistible wisdom, like they're, Mom, you have the words of life. Where else would I go? Certainly not to Dad. You know, we want this so much. You're at the market. You know, wow, I've never talked to a customer like you before. Wow, so that's what you do with spinach. We want those irresistible words of wisdom. And that comes as we fully rely on the Lord, not our own deteriorating brain cells, but on the greater wisdom. You know, the Lord wants to give you those those times, those occasions where you're talking and as you're listening to yourself, you're like, this is so divine. This is like amazing stuff. I wish I was taking notes on myself because it's so God. And he wants that reliance on his wisdom. In James chapter one, James said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who does not upbraid, but, but gives abundantly, freely, and it will be given to him. We need that divine wisdom. James then tells us later that that wisdom that God gives is accessible, that it's pure, that it's undefiled, it's effective. And that's the wisdom we need. And that's the wisdom that Jesus wants to give us. He says in verse 15, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Jesus' wisdom in them would be so divine, so powerful, and so brilliant that no adversary could resist. The enemy would have to acknowledge the reality of Jesus. Remember when Peter and John, Acts chapter 4, they're brought before the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin is looking at Jesus, and they're saying, where did these men get this wisdom? It's so amazing. And they took note that they had been with Jesus. They recognized they were uneducated men. But their wisdom came from Jesus. They had to acknowledge that. Now, Jesus says that they were not to blame those who would betray them, brothers, relatives, friends, because God was going to use it for witness. You know, so many times we are cursing the very tools that God wants to use in our lives. The very means that God uses to get us to the place. God uses betrayal. God uses slander. God uses lies. He turns the devices of the enemy against the enemy and as opportunities for the gospel. And if we go around blaming people for our circumstances, we'll never be fully reliant on the wisdom of the Lord. Jesus says God would use it for a greater witness and we need to see death as a promotion for the believer. It's not a demotion. It's a promotion to the presence of the Lord. Jesus promised to be with them so that not even a hair would be lost on their head. So you're going through these incredible trying times and and Jesus says, but even in this incredibly trying time, you are so covered. You are so protected. You know, I don't know what it is. I told you about the time I was walking Barnabas and the homeless man came at me um, telling that he was going to kill me, that he was going to throw me down and the Lord just protected me. But another time I was at coffee 
at Bellaterra. And Brian was in line for coffee, and I decided to take a little walk and just get us a seat at one of the tables. And while I was walking over there, this homeless man came rushing at me, screaming obscenities, saying he was going to kill me, and literally throwing punches at me so that I could feel like the wind rushing against my face. It was that close. And he's screaming at me, and I just ignored him because Romaine, who used to be an assistant pastor, told me years ago, when you see a nutcase, don't look at him. Don't acknowledge that they're in the room. Just ignore them. That's the best way to deal with it. He was a Marine. He was awesome. So I just like, Romaine's words were echoing in my head. And I saw these women sitting down. And so there was a chair next to them. And I sat down and I said, hi, I, I know you've never met me before, but there's that strange guy who's throwing punches at me. So I'm just going to pretend that I know you really well. And they're like, yes, pretend that you know us. He is so strange. We've been watching them. And I said, okay, and I'm just going to dial 911 while you're right here and, and just talk to the police. And they're watching out for me. And the guy's circling around us, screaming obscenities at us. And I'm talking to the police right then saying, you know, there's a man, he's throwing punches at me. None of them make contact. But I think it'd be really good if you got here because there are children around and um, he seems very dangerous and lethal to me and they're like all right where you're at and I gave the instructions and they're saying what does he look like and these women are like he's got white jeans on he's got a beard they're telling me everything to say to the police right then I'm like thank you and you know I'm repeating everything these two women who I've never met before in my life are telling me but I remember not he wasn't able to make contact God so protected me. And then the next thing I knew, the police came. We were watching as the police came. They apprehended him and they took him away. That, and that's what Jesus said. He says, not a hair of your head will perish. You might die, but you're so insulated. You're so protected. You're so watched over. Even during the most trying times, Peter talks about those times That would be trying. That would be scary. And he says, don't worry, because the spirit of grace and glory rests upon you. And Peter knew that. Peter knew what it was like to have the spirit of grace and glory. He had been called in, as we mentioned before, before the Sanhedrin. They had beaten him. And his reaction was to go back to the brethren and thank the Lord for the opportunity to suffer for Jesus Christ. He had been put in prison. James, his friend, his co-laborer, had been beheaded by Herod. But Peter is chained up with seven guards. And an angel comes to him. Peter is actually sleeping. Sleeping. His, his best friend is, one of his best friends has just been murdered by Herod. He's chained up. He's the next to be executed and he's sleeping. How could he do that? Because he knew Jesus and he had the peace of God upon him. And the next thing you know, an angel comes, his chains fall off. And Peter thinks he's having a dream. Like, wow, this is so cool. And the angel has to like hit him. Like, wake up. This is real. Follow me. And it's not till he gets outside the two prison gates into the common street that he realizes that everything is real. So he knew what it was like to have the spirit of grace and glory, to live a miracle. You know, because we're not fully reliant on Jesus, we live these natural lives. And God wants to take us into the miraculous But it starts with giving everything to Jesus and being fully reliant on Jesus. 
So we're fully reliant on Jesus' word and wisdom. And this is how we take advantage of persecution. Persecution does not bog us down. We take advantage of it. This is how we take advantage of trials and of betrayal. Jesus wants to give us divine answers, not our word, but his. Next, we fully rely on Jesus' word, what he has said. Prophecy is our roadmap for our divine destiny. We're all headed for the same place, and that's the presence of Jesus Christ, right? We're all headed for heaven. But the roadmap, which is the word of God, tells us where everything is headed and what hazards, dangers, and sights we will see along the way. You know, personally, I miss the Thomas Guide roadmap because I like to look at, you know, all the streets I would be taken. You notice that Google map only tells you a little bit at a time. It's kind of like, trust me. And then, you know, all of a sudden, turn right. You're like, turn right? Why didn't you tell me three miles back? I would have been in the right lane. You know, I, I want to, you know, tell me ahead of time. I always go to the direction thing and read all the directions of where we're going. But I can't see it played out on the map with Google. They're like, you don't need to know. You just need to trust me and listen to my voice. But I like to know. And Jesus tells us not only our ultimate destiny, but the hazards that will be along the road, the dangers, and the sights that will prepare us for what is up ahead. Now, in 1 Chronicles 12, verse 22, we're told that the tribe of Issachar were an asset to David. They came to David and they were an asset because they understood the signs of the time and knew the best course for Israel to take. You see, when we understand the times that we're living in, when we recognize the signs that the Lord has given us, then we know the best course for our lives. We know the best road to take. The best way to understand the times is to look for the signs God has told us about and then follow his instructions. God's word is our handbook for the times we live in. The disciples were told that Jerusalem would be surrounded by armies, verse 20, that when they saw this, the desolation of Jerusalem was near. Jesus not only told them what to look for, but what to do. He said, flee to the mountain. Those inside Jerusalem depart, and those outside don't try to enter again. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about the flight to Pella, which was an actual event that took place that was recorded by Eusebius. And that was when the believers saw Jerusalem surrounded by the Roman troops, that they fled out of Jerusalem. And those who were in the mountains of Judea, they fled too. And those who were about to enter Jerusalem left and they fled to Pella because they remembered Jesus' words and Jesus' instructions. Now in 70 AD, when Titus leveled Jerusalem, he destroyed the temple. And what happened is one of the zealots, they set the temple on fire. And what happened is the gold on the roof melted down between the stones And because the Roman soldiers were mercenaries, they only were paid by what they got from the city they destroyed. That's how they were paid. That's how they got their bonuses. They literally 
tumbled every stone. We don't know by what means, but they made sure that no stone was on another so they could get every bit of gold that was between the stones. This is what Jesus called in verse 23 and 24, the day of vengeance, when the scripture was fulfilled. Jerusalem was then under the control of the Gentiles until 1967. But even now, Israel does not have full control or jurisdiction over Jerusalem. Did you realize that the Temple Mount in Jerusalem belongs to the nation of Jordan? Did you know that? It's not Palestinian, it's Jordanian. And the king of Jordan has complete say over what is allowed and not allowed on the Temple Mount. So what is the time of the Gentiles that Jesus said? It's the time when God is offering salvation by faith in Jesus Christ to Jew and Gentile alike. It's when the Jew who wants salvation must come as a Gentile must come by faith in God's Son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It is an individual call. What we're talking about in the end times that will come during the tribulation is a national call. But even the national call will require that the Jews recognize as a nation Jesus as their Messiah. But when this time is fulfilled and the last Gentile has come to faith, then the time of the Gentiles will be over. This is a time of of tribulation when Jerusalem for seven years will be in a complete upheaval until according to Daniel chapter 12, the power of the Jews or the Jewish pride will be shattered and they'll be ready to receive their Messiah. When we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we are praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, even as it is in heaven. There will be no peace in Jerusalem until the Prince of Peace rules over Jerusalem. But that is to be our ultimate prayer, our ultimate hope. Now, we must rely on Jesus' word to understand the time we live in, to understand the brevity of time, you know, what the time of the Gentiles is, how long it's going to last, and to take advantage of every evangelical opportunity to get the gospel out. On our anniversary last year, Brian and I had gone out to um, dinner together, to Burger Lounge. We go big or go home for anniversaries. And as we were, um, you know, Brian had gone to the restroom and I was about to take a seat. And this woman who I'd never seen before said, what are you doing about the transgender bathroom situation? And all of a sudden I felt totally responsible for it. You know, like, oh, wow. What am I doing? Literally, we had just returned from a trip to Israel. This was our first day back and we just found out about it. And she just was, you know, so upset with me. I mean, literally angry. She was shaking and she was raising her voice to me. And I looked at her and I said, we're trying to get the gospel out to as many people as possible because until the heart of man changes, the behavior won't. We can deal with the symptoms, but if we're not getting to the heart of the issue, which is inside of us, nothing's going to change. And she just looked at me. She said, well, what about today? I said, today I'm praying and I'm trying to get the gospel out to as many people as possible. 
And obviously she didn't like my answer because Brian was coming up right then and she turned and she marched up to him and said, what are you doing about the transgender situation in the public schools? Who have you talked about to? Who have you written a letter to? And Brian goes, I've been praying and I'm seeking to get the gospel out to as many people as possible. I thought, good answer. Good answer. You see, you know, unless we're relying fully on Jesus, we're going to be fighting the symptoms instead of the disease. We've got to get to the cause, to the root of the issue. And that's that this world needs Jesus Christ. There is so much confusion in this world as never before. Don't you think confusion comes when you tell children that they're, they can be whatever they want to be, but they were predetermined to be what they are? Am I determined or am I predetermined? Did I come from ooze? Am I, is my father an ape? I mean, when you're telling children that they have no purpose, that they have no significance, no wonder they're confused, saying, what am I, who am I? Jesus told his disciples that there would be times that they would be persecuted, arrested, betrayed, and slandered. When these things happened, they were not to fear, but be reliant on the Lord and his wisdom, because these situations were divine opportunities to share the gospel. The same is true for us today. As we rely on Jesus' word and wisdom, he can turn our difficult situations into divine opportunities. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at what it means to watch and pray as we continue our Jesus Magnified study in the Gospel of Luke with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.